Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour a time to open our hearts and minds to the infinite. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien while she is traveling. Today I'll be sharing some insights and time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga. Yoga is a Sanskrit word that means oneness, union, or unity, the bringing together of our attention and awareness with our essential spiritual nature to be restored to our original wholeness. Many people associate the term yoga with exercise. Kriya yoga is a wider system, including philosophy and practice for spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. As a medical doctor and longtime practitioner of Kriya yoga, I have found it to be a comprehensive system for enhanced well-being on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. On today's program, we're going to explore regaining balance in your life by overcoming stress. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Claudia Welch. Dr. Welch has been trained in two Eastern healing traditions, both as a doctor of Oriental medicine and as an Ayurvedic practitioner. She is the author of Balance Your Hormones, Balance Your Life, Achieving Optimal Health and Wellness Through Ayurveda, Chinese Medicine, and Western Science which we will be discussing during today's program. Dr. Welch lectures internationally on Oriental and Ayurvedic medicines and women's health. She has served on the teaching faculty of the Ayurvedic Institute, Kripalu School of Ayurveda, Southwest Acupuncture College, and Acupractice Seminars. You can learn more about Dr. Welch and her book at her website, drclaudiawelch.com. Welcome, Dr. Claudia Welch. I'm delighted that you could join us today on the Yoga Hour. So good to be here, Dr. Trujillo. Before we begin to enter into dialogue about regaining balance by overcoming stress, let's begin with a moment of meditation. Let's open our hearts and our minds to divine omnipresence. One reality called by many names is the support and substance of all that is. Right where we are, right now, this divine essence is present as you, as me, as everyone. Within us, around us. And between us. In this moment, we simply let our attention move within to the depths 
of our being. We become aware of our breath, noticing its natural flow, not trying to change it, just noticing as we inhale and exhale. Cool air entering the nostrils and warm air flowing out. We notice thoughts and feelings as they arise and as they pass away. Our thoughts don't touch the balance of our innermost essence, our essential nature, beyond words and thoughts, beyond all change and phenomena pure existence being. Unmoving, unchanging, birthless, deathless being. Peace, emanating from the essence of our being, pervades the mental field, the emotional nature, and the physical body. We abide in this peace and let it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere. Before we begin our conversation, I wanted to frame today's program with an introductory comment. Dr. Welsh's book focuses on be relevant to both men and women. If we do mention specific information about women, I would encourage the men in the audience to reflect on how this might impact the women in their lives. Most, if not all, of the dietary, lifestyle, and stress management advice is the same for both men and women. Paramahansa Yogananda said, The laws of life can teach us to live in harmony with nature and all aspects of life. When we know what the laws are and conduct ourselves in accord with them, We experience lasting happiness, good health, and perfect harmony. So Dr. Claudia Welsh, living in harmony or balance is an important aspect of both traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurveda. How does stress affect our ability to be in balance? Well, it's it's an excellent question. And of course, the book goes into it quite a lot. And and there's the obvious responses, you know, cortisol makes us all jacked up and immediately once we're jacked up, we lose balance. But let's let's start somewhere a little bit more basic, which is just this word balance, which I think we throw around so often these days that it is losing meaning. It just is losing meaning. And so I want to I want to just look at that word for a minute and what generally comes to mind and heart when we think of that the word balance. And I think that we think of it as sort of as a seesaw that you go too far out in one one direction and it it, it affects the ba- the balance it affects the equilibrium that we have and if you go too far in the other direction it affects the balance but I think that in a in a real way what's happening is a moment to moment question of where our awareness is our our prana our life force is said to follow our focus and and what happens physiologically is said to follow our our prana our our life force so if we're focusing on either end of the spectrum of balance in a sense we're missing the boat because we are because our our whole 
experience, our whole physiological and emotional experience follows where our attention is going. So where does our attention need to go at any minute? Does it need to go to one side or the other? I, I would think not. I think it has to be at that fulcrum, at that point. Mm-hmm. And what is that fulcrum? And, and that fulcrum, I, I think, is, um, is the pure attention. It's going into the moment, going into what is in alignment with our hearts and our minds and our speech at any given moment. And it's not um, a, a life decision. It's not a choice. It's just a, a, where, a question of where is the attention going. And if it is looking inside and saying, okay, what, what is here? What is inside? And having the courage to align with whatever that is, is the next step. But the first step, what is balance, is simply that focus internally and not a focus externally and not a focus on, oh, I should be grounding myself. Oh, I should be stimulating myself. It's, it's simply a question of what is, what is at this moment? Mm. And if we are in that place, there may be difficult things going on and it may be hard. Being in this place doesn't mean that everything is easy. I mean, if we look at, at the historical figures that inspire us like Joan of Arc or or Jesus, or or um, Rumi, or Shamas Tabrez, or whatever we see, we don't see these people having cakewalks of life. You know, it's not that if we do this, everything will be easy. Everything might be hard. We might be crucified. We might be burned at the stake. We might be whatever. God willing, we we won't be, and that's an extreme example. But it's not to say that we don't have difficult things that that come up. But but what it does say is that the I'm going to sound really um, out there and woo-woo here, but the nectar that we get, that sweetness that we get of being in the rightness of that moment in line, in alignment with that fulcrum, in that one-pointed attention, we wouldn't give that up for anything. And so anything that comes into that field, it's, it's going to create less stress in our body because we're not resisting it ultimately. And of course, this is ideally, right? But ultimately, you know, the saints talk about receiving what comes as the divine will, whether it's quote-unquote pleasurable or quote-unquote painful. Now, this is a tall order, but if that can be our prayer, in a sense, if it's, or even not a prayer, but that is the side effect of this practice, I believe, of one-pointed attention insofar as it's possible internally and commitment to that. Does that make sense? Oh, yes. I think that's really, really beautiful. <clears throat> Framing balance as the fulcrum point, you know, and then that that inward focus. <clears throat> the concept of living in balance doesn't really seem to be as valued in the West. And, and you talk about this a little bit in the book. Why do you think that is? Well, I mean, look at, look at, if I look I'll answer this with sort of a personal story. When when um, I met my guru's guru when I was four years old, and I don't remember much else about being four, but I remember him. He was a lion of a man. And then I met my guru when I was eight, and I, there was a tremendous amount of love. I, I had so much love for him and felt a lot of love from him. And as a young, as an eight-year-old, I wasn't intellectually questioning what was going on. That didn't happen till I became a teenager and um, went through teenage stuff and questioning and habits and experimentation and then kind of came out at the other end of that because I I went to India and I decided, okay, I'm going to go to India and I'm going to, I was starting to question everything about my beliefs and uh, from an intellectual sort of grown up, more grown up as, as grown up as a, as a, 17 or 18 year old can have even without a fully functioning prefrontal cortex. Right. (laughs) Um, but I, I decided I gotta, I gotta, okay, my heart's in this, but my brain isn't quite, and I, I don't know what's going on here. Let me, let me go, let me go see what's going on from an intellectual point of view. And I went and I started to question, uh, what was going on. And, um, you know, can I ask you to, I'm, I've, I know where I'm going, but I forget your question. Can you repeat your question? Uh, it's about the the concept of living in balance doesn't seem to be as valued in the West. And, and oh, why, that's why, what, why is it as valued, too. right? 
Right. So, so when I went there, um, I, you know, I really started to question and, and it, and, and got on board in a different way. And it started, I kind of forget where I was going with that. Sorry about that. But, um, the, it started to, to occur to me that not everything that is logical is truth, right? That we have this, um, what we what we value in the West is this sense of of uh, I'm you know I would I would self identify as oh I'm a practical woman I'm a logical woman and so therefore I don't care about spirituality and what is this business of balance that we're talking about here's wh- here's what I value is is I value um, what you can prove and and the Western scientific method and so forth but what we've what we've all grown up to value in this in this culture maybe not all of us but what seems to be um the 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 power spot what's what's most um put on a pedestal and and what's most aimed for are is this i'm i'm practical i'm logical and i'm going to work hard and get somewhere with my ambition and and this is this is something that that kind of falls apart if we really look at it in the sense that we all know people who have made extremely logical, practical, um, ambitious decisions that come to naught. And we've all seen people make completely illogical decisions that come to fruition. So how do we, so what we have been told is, is the gold standard or the platinum standard of being in this culture. It has led us to, to drive and to motivate our lives and our spirits and our choices with a, a sense of ambition towards this, you know, towards, right. towards power, towards what is, towards what we're seduced by, which, um, is this, this sense that all, all things logical and practical, um, are, are to be valued and all things, um, of the heart, let's say, well, they're nice and they're, but they're fluffy and they're, they're, right. they don't have value. And so. Which gets um, us to the, to the, the question where, um, you talk in the book about how, you really go into the duality, you know, um, there are both um, words in traditional Chinese medicine, yin and yang, and there are also words in, in Sanskrit, which are not as familiar. So let's stick with the yin and yang. Um, you talked about how yang, the the yang is really predominant, you know, in the West. Can you give a little background for, for the listeners about um, what is that relationship of duality, uh, yin and yang? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In a nutshell, um, both Ayurveda and Chinese medicine talk about uh, the world in many different ways. But one way in which they um, try to describe reality is this reality of duality, where on one hand we have yang, the yang, or in Sanskrit, the the uh, langana qualities. And these qualities are stimulating, motivating and driving they're sort of a driving force kind of what we can what we often consider masculine qualities the, um the go-getter the type a this kind of thing and on the other side we have yin or santarpana or brahmana in the sanskrit words but yin is this this nourishing grounding stabilizing force and this while we understand that it's valuable we understand that it's valuable in the same way that we understand heart-centered things being valuable. It's kind of nice and it's fluffy, but it's not essential. And that's not where the power lies. This is, I think this is the, the general view of our culture. And it's certainly how we behave because if we look at society around us now, and I've said this so many times that it sounds like everybody must know this by now, but just to reinforce probably what we all know, if we look around us, we see unbelievable stress and fatigue in women predominantly, but in many people and men included, because we're just driving and driving and driving towards what we're, towards what we're valuing, which are the young qualities, these stimulating, motivating qualities. You know, we see if someone is working 80 hours a week or, or 60 hours a week at a job, we say, wow, they're very motivated and that's a good thing. 
Um, and we say they have lots of energy. But when we really come right down to it, what we're seeing is nervous energy. And these people are often driven by vices, get up in the morning and have coffee and stay the course with cigarettes and relax at night with wine. And we wouldn't need all these things if we were at, if we stay at that fulcrum. And that's a, that's such a foreign place for us to be that, that being in that fulcrum that we're not even sure what that means. And for some reason we are scared to try. And Mm. I think the reason that we're scared to try is that we're afraid that our entire lives are going to break down. Something is going to go terribly wrong if we just stop and listen mm. to that internal voice. Does that resonate? Absolutely. And uh, it's also a great uh, place for us to, to um, transition to the break. And then when we come back, we'll be talking a lot more about that concept of energy. You're listening to The Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien. Our guest today is Dr. Claudia Welch. You can learn more about her and her book, Balance Your Hormones, Balance Your Life, Achieving Optimal Health and Wellness Through Ayurveda, Chinese Medicine, and Western Science at her website, drclaudiawelch.com. Please stay with us. We will be right back. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. You ask with childlike wonder, what is the nature of God? Who is Jesus? What is the Christ? How do we know what we know? When you ask these or other heart-centered questions about the non-physical, intangible aspects of life, you are, on some level, a student of metaphysics. New from Unity House and nearly five years in the making, Heart-Centered Metaphysics, a deeper look at Unity teachings, is now available. This is Paul Hasselbeck author of this quintessential study guide. Enjoy a deeper exploration of universal spiritual principles and truths, whether you are just starting or have been seeking for years. Each thought-provoking chapter of Heart Center Metaphysics speaks to truth seekers like you, providing essential tools to help elevate your consciousness and create spiritual transformations in your outer life and circumstances. Order your copy today from the Unity Online Store at www.unity.org. Then click on shop. We know that God is the source of our prosperity, but how do we manifest it in our lives? We simply change our limiting patterns around money, relationships, and health. Then, naturally, our vitality goes up, and so does our cash flow. We start to live with purpose, sharing our unique ability. Join us on Prosperity Power Hour every Monday at 1 p.m. Central Time to claim your divine inheritance. Prosperity for all. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for the Yoga Hour's regular host, Yogacharya O'Brien. I'm joined today by Dr. Claudia Welch, Doctor of Oriental Medicine, Ayurvedic practitioner, educator and author of the book, Balance Your Hormones, Balance Your Life. Today we're discussing how to regain balance in your life by overcoming stress. Claudia, let's start by discussing lack of energy, or as it's called in Western medicine, fatigue and malaise. These are extremely common complaints in medical practice. 
Yet I would often be frustrated because from a Western medicine perspective, all laboratory tests and x-rays would be normal, yet the person would still not feel well. So you talk a lot in the book about feeling crummy, which I think is the exact same thing. So how does Eastern medicine view feeling crummy? And in particular, how is feeling crummy an early warning system? All right. Great question. And of course, a pandemic that relates to a pandemic that we're all experiencing. So, so let's look. There's so many ways of feeling crummy. You can, you can scratch yourself and feel crummy, right? You could have a tummy ache and feel crummy. But, but what, what, what we're talking about here with fatigue and malaise is this long-term grinding fatigue and, and lack of full participation in life, right? Because we just don't have it in us anymore. And let's, let's look at the, let's look at that. Let's take a little tiny microcosm of that and look at a a situation we could have in a, in, in the middle of a day where we just feel no enthusiasm for life. And I want to look at for a second for the 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 obvious answer here i i have to say the obvious answer and then i want to go to sort of this more subtle taking a moment out of our lives and analyzing that a little bit and seeing why we don't have energy for that moment why we just come to that moment with lethargy and fatigue and sometimes dread um but the obvious thing is we're we're all rushing so headlong into our idea of success that we're overdriven and we we outspend our resources physically, financially, spiritually. You know, this was the cause of the crash, outspending our resources, whether it was on the level of the banks or the level of a homeowner who got in over their heads or or whatever it was. But we're all doing this in our own little ways. When we, when we outspend our resources, we take in a certain amount of fresh air, a certain amount of food, certain amount of good quality drinks every day, clean water, fresh air, ideally. And that gives us a certain amount of energy. And when we outspend that energy, where does that come from? That drains, in Chinese medicine, it drains the kidney system, but it drains our root energy. So that's what's going on. But let's look at what is causing that. Why are we rushing headlong into this idea of success and feeling miserable? It's sort of like my guru used to say, we keep taking the poison and complaining and taking it again. Like, ah, oh, I'm so tired of this. And we go and do it again and again. So, so now why are we doing that brings us back to this subtle level, this subtle question of what is happening in each moment. And what I'm reminded of is the Gita, which in two sep- the Bhagavad Gita, which in two separate places says something like, and I'm paraphrasing, but this is the idea, says something like when we try to live somebody else's dharma, somebody else's idea of success, then someone other than our own, it leads to fear. It breeds fear and insecurity. It leads to fear and insecurity. And so when we do that over and over, when we are living for something other than this, this, what we find at that fulcrum point that we were talking about, when we look internally and we know what's right and we know what this, what is real in this moment, we know how to cooperate with that. When we do that, it, like I said before, it's not always easy, but it's not stressful. It's we know this is right. This is right for me to be doing. We still may get tired eventually, but we don't have the fatigue that comes from constantly trying to be something we're not or do something we don't want to do or achieve something we don't even care about ultimately, right? So, right. you know, the question is not... Um, does this make sense for me to do in this moment or does it not make sense? That's a useless question. The question is, is this right for me? And at any given moment, the main stress and fatigue I think that, that we experience in, in general comes from consistently trying to be something we're not, do something we, are, we don't want to do, achieve something we don't ultimately care about achieving. And I think that this is the root cause of fatigue, and I'm getting subtle here, but these these physical phenomena have their roots in ethical questions, really. And the ethical question being, am I living up to my own inner truth at this moment, at this moment? Right. 
And, and indeed, and, the, and in order to be able to live that truth, we need to be able to turn within, which brings us to spiritual practice. And, you know, whatever that might be for someone, for many people, it might be meditation. So another quote from Paramahansa Yogananda, who said, what is meditation? Becoming one with the soul. It means banishing the consciousness of being related to the body and to human limitations and trying to remember that one is a soul. So I think that's just a lovely way of, of saying what you said earlier, which is that we need to turn inward and, um, you know, and get that guidance from within. And we've talked about, you know, the lack of energy when you don't do that. So what are the effects on our energy from having a spiritual practice such as meditation? And, and how does the spiritual practice help keep us balanced? Good question. Um, well, my guru used to say that 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 all inspiration comes from the same place, this sort of divine source that we start to access when we turn inwards. What's generally happening, the the sort of the, the esoteric physiology that's talked about in India is that we have prana, we have this life force, and that if we can maintain that sort of internally and feed that internally and keep that circulating smoothly, then we have um, a sense of well-being, relaxation, and um, and our tissues and our organs are nourished and our endocrine glands and all the rest, and we feel in a state of health. And so we want to, to keep that prana internal and, and circulating. But what happens, as they say in this sort of esoteric physiology, is that we have these nine apertures through which prana leaks out and scatters into the world around us. So those nine apertures are the two eyes, the two ears, the two nostrils, the mouth, and two down below. And through these apertures, we interact with, with the world and we, we focus outward. And remember, prana follows focus. So most of the time we're focusing outward. We're seeing things, hearing things, smelling things, touching things, tasting things. Um, enjoying uh, sensual feelings and and and, um, uh, and digestion and all this stuff is going on where prana is is leaving our bodies and so the the general idea when we start to turn inwards is that we're turning the flow the momentum of that prana from outwards to inwards so and as we focus inside the prana follows that focus it starts to nourish inside and as we continue to breathe deeply and slowly and smoothly it can circulate through through our beings and nourish our beings so when that happens we are in that place of balance and the imbalances that have accumulated can start to line up and align with that balance right yes so uh, one of the things that you just touched on is um, is digestion and a way to bring energy into our body, of course, that we do multiple times a day, you know, is, is um, eating. Um, you talk a lot in the book about the relationship between digestion and disease. So can you say more about that from an Eastern perspective, that relationship between digestion and disease? Sure. Um and I also want to talk about what stress does to that at some point, if you can remind me. But um, the, with digestion, I mean, a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, Ayurveda says that all disease begins in the digestive tract. And it doesn't necessarily say that, but it certainly is at least a huge factor, which is that if we're what we we are, what we eat is more than just a pithy aphorism. It's kind of the, the truth, right? Because we eat something, it's transformed in the digestive system into more ref refined, more usable products for the body and resources for the body. And they become, that becomes our tissue and our organs and nourishes our tissues and our organs. So that needs to be a, a strong system. If it's poorly digested food, that poorly digested end product, which Ayurveda calls ama, gets circulated throughout the body and sort of knocks on all the doors of where it's circulating and says, hey, can I live here? Can I live here? And all the strong, healthy organs and tissues say, no, no, no room for you here. But when we have sort of a weak area um, or in lieu of a weak area, just the joints, which tend to be inherently a little bit weak, the the, the ama, the toxin, the poorly digested material, end product of poorly digested material 
ends up settling in there. It finds a home there and it ends up creating havoc over time, if nothing else, something like arthritis. So that's the, that's, does that make sense? And then I can talk about what stress does to that. Yes, absolutely. But if we can just pause a moment yeah. and just say that it's beyond food. I mean, and this is one of the things that I think is so interesting between the difference between Eastern and Western medicine. When you talk about digestion in the West, you're really talking literally just about the alimentary tract, you know, the stomach, you know, the large and small intestines, etc. But in Eastern medicine, digestion refers to pretty much everything we take in, as I understand it. Is yeah, that right? excellent, excellent point. I mean, what we're doing, there's different ways of talking about digestion, you know, and certainly in Ayurveda, you can take the choice of looking just at the digestive system in a sense. But when we stand back and look at really what's how we're taking in nutrition, we're taking it in through the channels that deal with rasa, which is um, a Sanskrit word that's full of beauty. It means juice. It means flavor. It means taste. It it means the the nourishing, grounding, cooling aspect of of moisture in the body of liquid in the body and when we take in that juice that flavor we take it in from from tastes from food and from the effects of food but we also take it in through all the sense organs so what we see imparts a certain flavor into our into these channels these channels that carry rasa in the body what we hear affects the flavor uh, and uh, and the taste and the juice. It's also another translation for rasa. So the juice of our bodies are constantly being affected by the flavor of what we see, what we hear, what we taste, what we feel. All these, all the sensory input, and that needs to be digested at a certain level. Um, in a really, you know, nuts and bolts physical way, we do talk about the digestive system in a similar way as Western medicine. There's the stomach, the small, the small intestine, the large intestine, et cetera. But, but on that bigger scale, yes, everything we're taking in is affecting those channels. So then turning back to where we were, which is, so how does stress affect this process? Well, let's look for a second at just the process of, of the digestive system. What's happening when we introduce stress to this equation, if it is an equation, if, when we introduce stress, right, adrenaline and cortisol both both get heightened. They both increase in the body. What happens when 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 that occurs? And this is how I'm liking to think. I don't put this in the book quite, but in the last couple of years, how I'm liking to think about cortisol is sort of like an allocator. It allocates the body's resources. So when stress levels go up, what's happening? We're, we are preparing to fight or flight, right? Something, a bear jumps out of the woods. We're supposed to fight the bear or, or flee from the bear. So we need certain things to happen if, if that's going to be successful. So our, our resources need to go to our biceps so that we can fight it off or our big muscle groups in our legs so that we can run away. And when, when that, so of course, when that's terrific. Because when the bear jumps out, we we want to survive, and the body really prioritizes that survival instinct. So it's always going to throw up cortisol. But what's happening is we're seeing, you know, a car pulls out in front of us, and we go, <gasps> or we have one too many emails and go, <gasps> or we, you know, we every time we go <gasps> in response to something, it's a stress, it's a sign of stress. Cortisol raises, and so we're, and when that happens our nervous system kind of gets put on high alert and we start perceiving benign events as threats. You know, an email is not a threat, but we start perceiving it as a threat. So we go <gasps> even more often. And so it's this cycle, right? So what happens is when cortisol comes up, it's whether it's a real or perceived threat or real or, or imagined threat, not a threat at all, it doesn't matter to the body. We're going, the body's going to react as if it's all a threat. And what happens is cortisol comes up and it allocates our resources away from vital organs like the reproductive system, the digestive system, and, and, and sends those resources towards the main muscle groups in the arms, the legs, so we can fight or flight. This robs our capacity to digest food well, even if it's perfect food, even if it's organic, grown with love, served with mantra, right? It's still we can't digest it if the stress level is up. Mm. 
Right. And uh, um, we compound that, I think, some by how we eat, you know, uh, eating in our cars, um, grabbing something. And it's often not food that gives us a lot of energy. It's often that food that gives us a, you know, a kick of, you know, sugar high or whatever. So it's processed food. Yeah. And actually, sometimes we go for that kick, but oftentimes what's happening that I'm seeing with women is we're pushing so hard and running that what we go for is a donut or a bagel or something that is quick and carby that we can, and heavy, something that's heavy so that we can ground ourselves. But it's not this this appropriate nourishment all the time. It's just grounding us because we have this anxiety, insomnia, panic attacks, and we're not going to go for something stimulating all the time. Some Often we're going to go for something that is going to just be this ballast to keep us on the planet, right? Right, right. Well, I think that's a good place to, to pause and we'll come back to this in the next section. You're listening to The Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for regular host Yogacharya O'Brien. Today's guest is Dr. Claudia Welch, and we've been discussing spiritual practice and dietary changes that can help bring balance. Dr. Welch's website is drclaudiawelch.com. We do welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. We are all on the journey together, making sense of this life, finding our spirituality, growing and evolving. As we travel through this world, Unity Magazine is your resource for gaining a deeper understanding of life. Unity Magazine is on the forefront of spiritual discovery, with articles and features from leading authors, teachers, and philosophers. Stimulate your thinking and strengthen your spirituality with Unity Magazine. Sample a free trial issue or subscribe today at unitymagazine.org. What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for the Yoga Hour's regular host, Yogacharya O'Brien. My guest today is Dr. Claudia Welsh, who is both a doctor of Oriental medicine, an Ayurvedic practitioner, an educator, and author of the book that we've been discussing, Balance Your Hormones, Balance Your Life. So um, another great quote from Paramahansa Yogananda, all methods of healing are really indirect ways of rousing the life energy which is the true healer of all diseases. We, we've talked a little bit about that life energy or uh, prana, and before the break, we were talking about it in terms of food. Um, so getting back to that, um, we were talking about being under stress, and obviously many of us are under stress. So what are some good foods to eat when we know we are under stress? Well, you know, it's a good question. 
And and yet it's also a question that I think as a as a society we're starting to fixate a little too much on. And I and by starting, I don't mean this year. I, I mean in the last twenty years, thirty years, oh. there's sort of a um there's a, there's a there's a food is important. There's no question. Food is important. And I think that we can start with, I mean, if you don't read any other Ayurvedic book on food, you could read Michael Pollan's In Defense of Food, which doesn't use the word Ayurveda ever, but he talks about eating whole foods, what whole foods are, how we got away from eating whole foods, and let's get back to eating whole foods. That may be enough for a lot of people. Now, this might sound like blasphemy or heresy or something coming from an Ayurvedic practitioner where we can get kind of into the minutia of what we eat, but... What I'm seeing more and more is that we need to sometimes we we start thinking that food is going to be our savior, that this particular diet is going to be our saving grace, that that it's going to heal all of our issues from candida to to chronic fatigue to to um, uh, digestive issues to to mental health. And there's no question that our digestive systems and the food we eat are important but i i want to back away here for a second and and just look at this for a minute i mean you know dr laurel you you were in practice for a long time and and you as well as i may remember about 15 years ago maybe 20 years ago there was a whole candida craze we could say right everybody right. had candida and everybody oh, yeah. and, and what i would find in my practice over and over is people would start to avoid more and more foods and become more and more intolerant to more and more foods. So yes, avoiding this and that and this and that would help them temporarily, but then they would become more intolerant to the next thing and it Mm -hmm. wouldn't heal the problem. And the problem was with Agni, with the digestive fire, and that was being squashed because of something perhaps emotionally, right? Because when cortisol is high, our, our resources are allocated away from our digestive system. So when we are stressed out, it does not matter what we eat, practically mm, speaking, because mm. we're not going to digest it. So right. it's going to go through and it could be, again, perfect food and it's we're not going to digest it well and it will probably create problems, right? So we got to back away a little bit and say, okay, so then Candida went out of vogue and we never heard of that. I saw two people in the 10 years of, that I had a busy practice, two people with celiac and I had to look up what celiac was. Mm. Now. Everybody has celiac. I was in a. Was when, in you're, a when you say celiac, what you're talking about is the gluten, the true gluten intolerance. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, and everything's you know, everything's gluten free now. Everything. Yeah. You know, forget that it has 20 ingredients that you can't pronounce. There's, right. right. Got, but there's at no least gluten. It's gluten free. Right. <laughs> but you know, I was in a I was in an airport in Dallas, and there were these two huge guys, you know, who clearly live on steaks and mashed potatoes. And and football games, and they're talking about how they can't digest gluten and and what they can eat that's gluten free. So this is not something in that is affecting only the elite right now, right? Right. But there's at at different times we come across different food sensitivities, different food things, and and so everybody starts to go down this path of if I do this diet, Atkins or blood type or whatever, that's going to be my saving grace and look over and over and over again. And I, I expect you've seen this too, Dr. Laurel. I'd love to hear your experience, but it isn't the saving grace. It doesn't fix all the problems. And then you're right. back to trying to find something else. Do you find that? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think brings us back, you know, to this, um, you know, the inner guidance that we can get, you know, through practices like, you know, meditation. So in the book, you talk about three pillars and I, and I didn't want to, miss, you know, this aspect of the book, you know, for people. So, you know, basically it's, it seems like your, your recommendations are to start with these three pillars. And then if you need to do other things, then certainly, you know, you can to do, um, to rebuild your energy, but that these three pillars are really the most important place to start. And those are diet, which we've talked a bit about lifestyle, including exercise and then stress reduction with spiritual practice, both fitting into lifestyle and stress reduction. So we haven't really uh, spoken that much about the other aspects of the, of the three pillars. So how about exercise and what would you recommend in terms of keeping ourselves balanced? Well, it really, that's really dependent on the person, right? It's such a good 
question, and it's a question that's pertinent in each one of our lives. And if we are running all day and outspending our resources and we're stressed out and we're trying to achieve the unachievable or whatever we're trying to do, that's our particular brand of neurosis. And I don't, and I say that with great love, right? But if, <laughs> if we, if we are stressing ourselves out and running ourselves ragged, then getting up and running five miles a day is sort of adding to that young uh, spectrum. So it's, it's, adding to to the young activity that we're doing. So it's more stimulation and more motivation and more activity when maybe what we need to do is restorative yoga or Tai Chi. You know, there's there's this sense, a lot of us um, in my generation and a little older um, will remember Jane Fonda. <laughs> right. And how she, you know, her workout tapes were the introduction to workout tapes. That's how it started. And it was mm. jump around, make it burn, sweat a lot. You know, and it was just, right. uh, if you weren't sweating your brains out, you were lazy and you weren't doing it right. And this is a totally different understanding of exercise from Eastern understanding of exercise. I mean, look at O-sensei, for example, the the founder of Aikido. Aikido can be very active, but it can be this very soft, flowing kind of movement. And you would see O-sensei in his 80s, this little tiny guy, not barely moving, but his, his, his black belt students who were a third his age would come rushing at him and with the flick of a wrist, he'd send them flying. Right. So this exercise in an Eastern point of view, if you think about Tai Chi or, or Qigong, there's this flow to it. It's quieter. And from our Western minds, we go, that's not exercise. That's laziness. Right. But when we really do it and we really start to see, oh, moving the prana is what strengthens the organs and nourishes the organs and harmonizes the mind. That becomes more important than what we're doing with our muscles. And when prana flows smoothly, the muscle tissue and other tissue follow. So it's healthy. It might not be tight. It may not be huge muscles, but they're healthy muscles. And prana is flowing and blood is flowing and organs are getting nourished. So it's overall health, not just what you look like in a chiseled form in front of the mirror. Right. Right. And just what you were saying, you know, or referring back to the earlier conversation, it's like that young, you know, energy, that young, the young principle is just so much more valued in our society that it doesn't seem like exercise unless you really are sweating. And those yoga classes that they do in, what is it, 8,500 degree heat, you know, in the yoga studio, artificially increasing the, you know, the uh, temperature, just so people really, really get a, you know, a tremendous amount of sweating. You know, you've taken something that could be, you know, very yin and nourishing, and you've turned it into this real yang. You know, and if you need proof of that, just look at people who are full speed ahead with their yoga practice, and it's an intense, vigorous yoga practice, and their skin and bones, and women are losing their periods, and they don't—they don't have rasa, they don't have this juice. So this is important. This is important. We are taking yoga and, and twisting it and turning it into our own. Um, warped sense of what energy is and what health mm. is and what exercise is and and forgetting about the union of body mind and spirit which un, which really are all one we just talk about them as different things so that we can wrap our heads around it mm. so we spoke earlier in the program about feeling crummy and how feeling crummy can be an early warning system so what are some basic recommendations for people who who may not be feeling their best where would you recommend that they start well, I I really recommend they start with the you know I, now not to be all self promoty but I would read the book. <laughs> it is a great book, I must say. Yes. I'm so glad that that you like it. I mean, I I really when I wrote this, I I wanted all my sisters and my stepmother and my all the women in my life to read this book and hear this book, and I wanted all all the students in my life, all women, to hear this and read it and and um. Of course, I don't know that my sisters have read it or my nieces or whatever, but other people have read it, which is great. And <laughs> and so I think those starting with those three pillars and and it's a commitment. It's like one of the things that I've found when I when I wrote the book, the publicity folks said, you know, they always want bullet points, you know, do this, this and this and that will change your life. But basically what you have to do is change your life because if you want your life to change, you have to change it, right? Right. And right. it's 
And I would say, well, can change your life be a bullet point? And they were like, no, change your life is not a bullet point. You know? <laughs> Eat more big. almonds is a bullet yeah, point, right. but change your life isn't. But yeah. it has to be, right? Well, right, exactly. And I think that is a, a lovely, you know, place to close the conversation of, you know, taking one step in any direction that's different is changing your life. And, that's right. Yeah. Pick an arena. Yeah. Like, You've been listening to The Yoga Hour. <clears throat> it's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien. We've been discussing how to regain your balance by overcoming stress with special guest Dr. Claudia Welch. You can find more about Dr. Welch's books and classes at drclaudiawelch.com. Thank you so much, Claudia, for joining us. It's my great joy, and thanks everybody who's listening. And thank you, Dr. Laurel. Join us next week on the Yoga Hour for spiritual practice in the Kriya Yoga tradition, insights from Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, which is actually going to be part one, and the following week will also be a continuation of that conversation uh, between Yogacharya O'Brien and special guest Roy Eugene Davis, direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. For information about CSE, please visit csecenter.org. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes. I look forward to being with you again when Yogacharya O'Brien is on the road. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization. www.csecenter.org Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org We know that God is the source of our prosperity, but how do we manifest it in our lives? We simply change our limiting patterns around money, relationships, and health. Then, naturally, our vitality goes up, and so does our cash flow. We start to live with purpose, sharing our unique ability. Join us on Prosperity Power Hour every Monday at 1 p.m. Central Time to claim your divine inheritance. Prosperity for all, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Consider these inspirational thoughts from the quest for prayer from Unity House Books. Holding a special, loving thought for other people benefits us as much as it benefits them. In fact, in some ways, even more so. Consider, for example, what happens when you wash your car with a hose. What gets clean first? The inside of the hose, of course, because the water must rush through the hose before it can clean the car. So it is when we hold loving thoughts for someone. As those loving thoughts rush through us, they bless us first. It is a win-win situation. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Is the world we live in making you ill? Fast food, junk food, feeling overwhelmed, not enough time? People are stressed, anxious, overweight, depressed, and have numerous health issues that are being treated with pills. 
There really is a way to get back to good health without the use of medication, and it's not rocket science or hard work. Primary brain repair is a simple, natural method developed by Dr. Suka that can give you relief from your symptoms and help prevent long-term health problems. You can have more energy and a release from pain and suffering, along with a new joyful sense of self, increasing your physical, emotional, and spiritual health. It's called Wellness Simplified. Join Dr. Suka on Fridays at 3 p.m. Central Time and learn more about her healing method. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 